0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. In 1849, a message was preached in Great Britain by F.W. Robertson, his old preacher, 1849. He's preaching a message and he said this, and I like this quote. He says, life like war. How many ever feel like life is a battle? <laughs> It's a war. I mean, it's just a fight all the time, isn't it? You're constantly struggling. He said this, Life like war is a series of mistakes. And he is not the best Christian nor the best general who makes the fewest false steps. Poor mediocrity may secure that, but he is the best who wins the most splendid victories by the retrieval of mistakes. He said this, Forget mistakes. Organize victory out of mistakes, uh, Henry Ford would have agreed with that he he defined failure ford who who uh, who who made the model T the car Ford de- de- defined failure as an opportunity to begin again more intelligently you know sometimes uh, we look at our failures how many have ever been just stopped in your tracks because of your failures you haven 't moved forward because you 've made mistakes you're kind of not where you are or where you'd like to be because you're dwelling on the past, you're dwelling on your failures, you're dwelling on history, and you're not allowing that to allow you to move forward. Ford said the failures were opportunities to try it again but do it more intelligently. Help me out this morning, church. If you, if at first you don't succeed... Some of you awake this morning. If at first you don't succeed... How many of your mom told you that or somebody told you that? You try, try again. Get back on. What are they? We get all these cliches. If you fall off the horse, get back on the horse, right? Get back on. I mean, if, if something happened, now I hope that doesn't happen to you today at the festival. All right? Don't, nobody. But if you fall off today, get back on, okay? But, uh, and don't sue us, please. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the problem is sometimes is we, we fail and we allow our mistakes, we allow our failures to keep us from progress in the Christian life. We allow our failures. Paul said it this way. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I've got to learn from my mistakes, but I also have to forget my mistakes. How many glad uh, for the attribute of God that he remembers our sin no more? You know, he forgets what we sometimes hold on to, Sometimes we dwell on, and God says, I've forgotten, I've forgiven. Aren't you glad that God forgives and forgets? How many would love to have that attribute? Wish that you could do that. Sometimes, boy, in the world they say, well, if, if, for, I'm going to forgive, but I'm not going to forget. I'm going to learn from forgiving you, and I'm never going to completely let it go, and I'm going to hold on to it. That's, that's a psychological philosophy that comes from the world, not from the Bible. Forgiving means I'm letting it go. Forgiving means... I'm forgetting about it. Forgiving means it's in the past. Hey, aren't you glad that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins this morning under the blood, uh, he's forgiven them. We're not going to give an account before God. If you're saved through the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on Calvary, you are never going to answer to God for one sin that you commit. Now, some people would say, well, that's terrible because now people are just going to think that they can live how they want. Anybody who truly understands that won't want to sin. Anybody who truly embraces that truth is not going to want to go headlong anymore into sin. Uh, They're going to say like Paul, yet we that are dead to sin, that we should live any longer therein. I don't want to go back to the graveyard if I've been brought up, resurrected from death to life. I mean, who wants to go back to the graveyard? Who wants to go back to the mistakes? But so many Christians today live in death. They live in the past. They live in history. They're disabled. The devil, who is the accuser of the brethren, comes and whispers in your ear and says, hey, listen, remember you, remember your past, remember your history, remember what you did. Accuser, accuser of the brethren. And God says, I remember them no more. I've forgiven them completely, wholly. Hey, listen, if he has not done so, then what was the point of the cross? What was the point of Jesus dying the way that he died? I mean, what kind of brutal death did he die for our sake? He became sin for us who know no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We understand this morning that God came to deliver us true success, true understanding of what victory is, and we didn't have victory before the Lord. Joshua and Israel had dealt with their sin in Joshua chapter 8. I mean, they went into Jericho. God gave them a tremendous victory, but they disobeyed God's commands after the victory. How many have had a win, you've had a success, but then you had a major failure after that? Because sometimes in our successes, sometimes when we get to the mountaintop, if you would, when we have a great victory, we get prideful. We may think that it was us, somehow, that we are the ones that could take credit for, or we think that we don't need God anymore. How many have ever cried out to God when you were in despair, depression, in the depths when you needed help? Come on, financial crisis, physical crisis, a lot of the crisis that caused people to have crisis faith, meaning I only believe God or trust God or run to God when I have a crisis. But when you have victory, when things are going well, How's your walk with the Lord? How's your relationship with God? It's easy. Listen, sometimes, if we're honest, we're fair-weather friends with God. He never leaves us or forsakes us, but how often do we forget him? How often do we walk away from him think, I don't need his word? How many have ever made a bargain with God? God, if you get me out of this, I will never, I will always. Come on, how many have done this? You know what I'm talking about. You make this deal with God. If you get me out, God, give me a bailout. I will never, I will, be careful of the vows that you make uh, before the Lord. The Bible says he holds us accountable for what we say, our promises to him. But aren't you glad that God has not kept you to every single of the things that you have said foolishly when you were in crisis? I'm glad for that. Get me out of here and I will never, I will always, I'll never do that again. How many have, have done something that you said you would never do again, but you did it again? How many ever apologized to somebody, you did something, you said, I will never I'm going to change, I will never, but then you just, you did it again, didn't you? And not only second chances, but notice Israel, they're coming and God dealt with them, but God gave them a clean start. Number one, if you're following along in the the, the bulletin this morning, God gave them a clean start. Notice verses one and two of chapter eight. I want you to see it in the word. And the Lord said unto Joshua, first words out of God's mouth, fear not. If you did a study in the Bible on how many times God says fear not, he said fear not to many different individuals across different spans of time, different circumstances, different places in life, but God's message is always when he's there, hey, fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because we have it to anybody anybody ever have a tendency to be afraid of things. Say I'm not afraid of anything. Well, some, some people are. We could get some snakes out, and maybe we could be a little. Or, or how many spiders? If there's a spider anywhere in the vicinity, I mean, that thing's going to die, right? I mean, some, some of you, you, you have fears. We have natural, anybody afraid of heights? Anybody have a fear of water? Anybody have a fear of large crowds? Please, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're having that fear, you can sit in the lobby today. We don't want you to be afraid. You know, sometimes we, we have fears, these fears that plague us. That bother us and we live life in fears and god says to joshua. Hey, I want to give you a clean start He says listen fear not Notice he says neither be thou dismayed take all the people of war with thee and arise go up to ai You mean go back to the place where we just got beat Go back to the place where we just were met with defeat where we with great Prideful confidence went and said hey, we don't even need to take our whole army Let's just take three thousand men and we'll go take care of ai and they came running out of Ai, their men died, and they chased them off. Those men of Ai who didn't have a walled city, probably half of them farmers, chasing them out with pitchforks and everything else, they, they tore them apart. And they're thinking, we've got to go back to this place where we just, how many want to go back where you just met with defeat? A lot of times when we get beat, we never want to go back to that place. We don't want to face our fears. We don't want to face what has challenged us, where we have met with defeat. Notice God calls them right back. He says, okay, it's time to go again, but this time, you're going to go with me. This time, you're not going to try this on your own. This time, you're not doing it your way. This time, listen to me. Listen to my instruction. He gives them a clean start. Notice, the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. Alexander White said that, uh, but he encourages them. Verse 1, encouraged to begin again. Encouraged to begin again. I want to encourage you this morning, if you have met with failure recently or you have been uh, for a period of time in your life, because some people stay there for a long time, if you are sitting in a place of defeat as a Christian, I want to encourage you this morning to start over again, to start over again. Some people come to church because they're trying to start over again, but you know sometimes people in the church do nothing but make them feel guilty about where they were. The truth is, if you're here this morning and you've met with failure, you're in good company because all of us today are, have met with failure this week. We've all met with, some of us this morning on the right, come on, how many, how many on, the, on the way in, perhaps in the car? I know nobody argues in the car. Uh, I, I know nobody ever has uh, discussions or disagreements, but isn't it interesting, sometimes we could have those failures, then we get to church, we're like, hi, how are you? Everything is wonderful. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And I understand there's a need for us not to just spill over every little detail of our problems, but the truth is is sometimes socially we, we feel the pressure, especially when the church gathers together, we're here for church, to put on airs like we're perfect. The truth is, is I'm not perfect, and I know it better than you. If, you. if you're analyzing me, I could give you a longer list than you could give me. I know where my flaws are. I know where I'm wrong. I know where I've failed even this week, but I don't want to stay there. How about you? I don't want to stay there. I want to change. I want to move out of that. I want to see God organize my failures into victories. How many with me this morning? I mean, God is Jesus, is a master at organizing the failures of men into victories. We don't look at the Bible and say, oh boy, what great men. We look at the Bible and say, how did God use those guys to accomplish that? I mean, you look at the leaders that God used. I mean, look at the men. Look at Moses. Look at John. Look at David. Look at these men who we look up to in Scripture and think, and Paul, uh, you heard a message last week. Paul, the least small, little, the least of all. I can't do it on my own. Boy, he was a mess. At times he was saying, I'm even in conflict with myself. And he was saying, boy, I can't. But how did God get victories from these people's lives? Because the truth is, it wasn't about the people it was about people surrendering to God and allowing God to organize all their mess into something that was good. That's why as Christians, we can say, Romans 8, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Listen, God can make all things new. God can make all things good. There's a clean slate here. He's encouraging them, fear not to begin again. The answer to our discouragement and fear is in hearing and believing the word of God. How do we know that? Listen, he is instructing them to begin again. Notice in verse number one, he says this. He says, take all the people of war with thee and rise, go up to Ai. See, I have given, this, given into thy uh, hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land, and thou shalt do to Ai. He's given them instructions. He's saying, hey, listen, listen to my instructions. Listen to my plan. Listen, don't put your fingers in yours this morning. I want you to get this because sometimes we're hearers of the word, but we're not doers of the word. We listen, but we don't follow. We hear, but we don't obey. And, and, and what God is saying to Joshua, he's saying, hey, listen, make sure you heed. Make sure you listen to what I'm saying. You know, some, so many times God says, fear not in his word. To, today he's saying, fear not. And progress happens in life when we stop fearing everything else and start following God, even if that means following him again. How many have ever stopped following God? Let's be honest. We see follow Jesus all over. That's our theme as a church for the year. Sometimes we stop following him. You say, can a believer do that? Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times, and he stopped following the Lord. As a matter of fact, he went back to his former profession. Jesus goes to the side of the seashore and makes Peter a fish and sits down and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he says, if you love me, Keep my commandments. If you love me, follow my instructions. If you love me, feed my lambs. Listen, I have a job for you. I have a calling for you. But the worst thing that you and I do sometimes when we fail is we quit following God and we never start again. He's saying start over again. I've got a plan for you. He's instructing them to begin again. Notice, not only there's instruction, God always has a plan for his people to follow. The only way for true progress is to obey God's instructions. Not only do we see the instruction to begin again, but we see the promise to begin again. Verse number one, he says, I have given thee. I have given this to you. Interesting, just like at Jericho, sounds familiar. He says, see, I have given thee Jericho. But when he tells him to look at Jericho, Jericho's walls are still up. Jericho's armies are still intact. He says now, hey, listen, I've given you Ai, but they're looking at Ai and they're saying, we just got beat there. The walls, I mean, the the army's still there. The city's still intact. And he's saying, no, no, by faith, see. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So many people talk about faith in God like it's blind faith. God says it's not blind. He even defines faith to us in his word. Hebrews 11.1 was what I just quoted to you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. God tells us in Romans 1, he has left enough evidence of himself to us that in order for us to say we won't believe God, we have to reject all of the evidence he's left for us. Even the very creation that he's left us in. The heavens declare the glories of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Listen, to deny God is to deny all the evidence around you and say it's not evidence. To deny God is to, to deny all the facts that he's presented to us and say they're not facts. It's to say a tree is not a tree. The truth is not the truth. God has said, hey, listen, I've revealed it to you. I've showed it to you. He gives us a clean start. How many of you are glad for a clean start this morning? I need a clean start. I need it this morning. Number two, not only does he give him a clean start, but he gives them a clean strategy. He gives them a clean strategy. King Arthur said this, God fulfills himself in many ways, lest one good custom should corrupt the world. You say, what does that mean? Well, read the Bible. God changes human leadership. He changes methods. He uses those uh, new methods and new leaders and new men so we're not tempted to trust our flesh and experiences rather than him and his promises. Isn't it interesting? We are people of habit. We would love if God just always acted the same way. But how many have read the Bible and see God used different people, different methods in different times? You know what we have a problem with today as God's church is we worship methods rather than God. We look at past methods and we say, well, this got me here. I'm going to do this again, and it's going to get me there. But how many know that doesn't work in God's economy? It doesn't work in God's plan. God doesn't say worship the methods. God doesn't say worship the way that you got here. He says worship me because the methods are nothing without God. Without God, we can do nothing. Jesus said, without me, it's all impossible. You're able to do nothing without me. We need him. And a lot of times, how many have tried to do things even as Christians and say, I'm doing this for God, but without God, without his instruction, without his blessing, without his promises? Listen, we fail so much when we try to do things without God because all of us, self-included, I have pride that I have to deal with in my own heart. How about you? And pride says you can do it. And God says you can't do it. And pride says, I don't like that. So then I don't like what God's saying, so I'm going to try it on my own. And boy, I've seen so many failures in my life when I tried to do it when God says do it this way and I tried to do it another way. You say, well, the ends justify the means, not in God's economy. The ends never justify the means because God cares about the motives. He doesn't see as man seeth. Where man looks on the outward appearance, God sees the heart. God cares why we do what we do, not just what we do. And sometimes we worship what we do and we worship how we do it. And we call the church together to gather together in his name. And we come. And if the tradition, if all the things that we've always done are not present, boy, we could be a mess to deal with and work with. We won't worship God. We won't, unless it's our way, unless it's the way that we like it to be. Listen, how about, how about you this morning? I need God to change some things in my life. I mean, change me. And, and that's where the change starts, where I'm not so much worshiping the way we do things, but worshiping the why we do things. God, he's the reason, isn't he? He's the reason why we do all that we do. Listen, even as we're gonna have a festival today, I'm to be honest with you. The reason why we do it is God. You may not understand that, but we love our community. We love the people in this area. We want to show the love of Christ to them and, and the way that we do uh, these things. We don't, we're not just having an event so that we can get a bunch of people together today. Really, we wanna love people we want to show the love of Christ to people. We want you to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And the greatest way that you can see that is when we live out what the Word of God says and we by love serve one another and we, we look to, listen, make our lives a living sacrifice. The strategy that God gave at Ai was opposite the strategy that he gave at Jericho. He told them at Jericho to march around the walls. Here at Ai, he gives them instruction Send some men, they're gonna do what they did, but you're not gonna do what you did. Notice what God says. When you send the men to the front, they're gonna come and approach you the same way they approached you last time, but you're not gonna approach them the same way. As a matter of fact, send them, I know how they're gonna respond. They're gonna send, they're emptying, they're gonna empty the city to chase you down. And when they chase you, run. But have an ambush waiting. Have a group behind waiting. Notice the strategy. He gives them a clean strategy. He gives them a new strategy. He said, this is the way I want you to do it. It's important we seek God's will for each decision that we're faced with so we don't depend on past victories as we plan for the future. In World War II, there was a song that our nation sang over and over again. It was called, We Did It Before, We Can Do It Again. The truth is, is that is not the anthem of the church We shouldn't be saying, we did it before, we can do it again. We should be saying, if God be for us, who can be against us? We should be saying, this is God's way. We're going to do it God's way. We're going to do what he wants in his way. And the strategy at Ai was not based from Israel's victory at Jericho. It was born out of their defeat at Ai. Notice God said, hey, listen, I'm going to show you how you can win from your failure. I'm going to show you that this strategy, I'm going to change the strategy so that the way you approach AI is going to be born out of your failure at AI, not out of your victory at Jericho. The way that you did it at AI, hey, I'm going to turn that around and make it good. I'm going to turn that around and make it a victory. How many know this morning that Jesus can organize your defeats into victories? He can take a loss and make it a win, Notice, we don't, we don't just see a, a clean strategy, but number three, we see this morning a clean sweep. A clean sweep. I'm not gonna ask you this morning how many of you are Mets fans, but I'm sure those of you that are, we're glad for the sweep uh, this week. But what, what I'm saying to you this morning is, with God, it's always a clean sweep. With God, it's always like automatic doors. With God, it's always a victory, even at sometimes when it seems like defeat, Israel heard God's word. Israel obeyed God's word. They experienced victory, but not without a fight and opposition. Listen, they had to do what God says the way that he said it. But how many can see it in the scriptures? They still had to walk up to Jericho. They still had to face the enemy. How many of us love when God gives us a victory when we don't have to do anything? But sometimes God says, no, no, you need to obey me. But the greatest test of whether or not we really are trusting him is when we're faced with the same enemy again, how we respond. They're they're saying, we're here, we believe God, we're going to assemble together, we're going to march on AI, but God didn't just let the walls fall down, did he? God said, run. Run. You say, what do you mean run? What kind of people that are going to have victory? Run. He tells them to run away. But notice it wasn't them fleeing from their enemy that gave them the win, it was them submitting to God that gave them the win. The Bible tells us, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. They didn't run from the men of Ai because they were afraid. They ran from the men of Ai because it was God's plan, because it was God's instruction. Notice sometimes, again, progress doesn't seem like progress. That doesn't seem like a good plan. March on AI and then run away from AI. But that was God's strategy. Notice there was an ambush waiting. There was a plan that God had. And all of a sudden, what AI thought was a victory, they said, We won again. We won again. Look at them. We got them running all over again. And then 30,000 men of war march on an empty city and take it. They take the king, they take the city. They take the spoils. It's interesting that this time around, God said, all the spoils, you can take. Everything that's there, listen, when you give the first fruits for God, you always get, when you give God the choice, he always gives you the blessing. Jericho, he said, leave it for me, it's mine. At Ai, he said, go ahead and take it, it's yours. You know, God always gives us a great blessing when we obey him, but how many have met with defeat when you've disobeyed God? was a clean sweep for them. They said, "Hey, victory is ours. We've taken the we've taken the city." Many times we hear God's word, we organize to obey, we begin to take action, but then we're faced with the same enemy that kicked our tail the first time, and we run and we flee, and we're scared and we're afraid. Some of you this morning, you may not even be running from the enemy; you may be running from God. You say, "I'm in church, Pastor." I'm not running from God. Well, where's your heart posture this morning? I understand that we're all here. But I know I've run from God. How about you? God is looking for you. God is seeking you. God is giving you his word. God is loving you. But are you following him? Sometimes we run from God. There was a clean sweep. And then lastly this morning, I'll be done. There was a clean slate. There was a clean slate. If you look at the end of the chapter... They took Ai, they won the victory, they took the city, they now occupied part of the land that God had promised to them. Now, by the way, they weren't taking what wasn't theirs, they were taking what was theirs. God had given them the land, God had given them the city. The people that were there shouldn't have been there. They took what was theirs, they took it back. God promised that land to them. They were the Israelites, they were given that land of promise But notice God starts all over again with them, and he gives them a clean slate. Notice how they respond this time. After their victory at Jericho, Israel made some common winter circle mistakes. They were doing donuts in the winter circle. They were holding up the trophies. They were excited about what they got. They were, I mean, had Achan just waited, he wouldn't have just taken those few items and hit them in his tent He would have went into Ai with them, and they would have been able to take everything that they wanted to take. So they took the little that God wanted from them, and they said, I won't give it to God, and he lost. He lost the reward that God wanted to give all of them. The sad thing is, is you and I make that same mistake. But notice this clean slate. They don't respond to the the victory at Ai the same way they did at Jericho. As a matter of fact, they win... This victory, and then Joshua says this We're gonna go 30 miles, we're gonna march all of Israel, 30 miles north. We're gonna go between these two mountains, and we're gonna meet between these two mountains, and we're gonna stay there, and there we're gonna worship God. We're gonna read God's word aloud for everyone to hear. We're gonna build an altar to the Lord in thankfulness for what he has done. You see the difference? Joshua says, oh, we're not going to make that mistake again. We're not going to think that we did this. We're going to start over again. We're going to recommit to God and his word. And they start with this new commitment. He leads them 30 miles north to Shechem, to a valley between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And he builds there, verse number 30, a stone altar to the Lord. And I want you to see this. Joshua obeyed the word of the Lord even as it was written in Exodus he laid the stones. The Bible says not to use any tools. It's just lay rough stones, take some stones, lay them one onto the other. No tools, don't take you, say, what's that for? Let me, let me tell you in a minute. He takes the stones, he lays them one on the other, he builds them to the Lord. He makes this altar to God, and they worship the Lord, and they offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And it's not about the altar. It's not about the beauty of the organized altar, It's not the beauty of man-made religion that gives a sinner forgiveness, but the blood that's on the altar. God said, I don't want you to make this big, beautiful, ornate statue, this big, beautiful, ornate altar. I want you to just take rough stones, lay them one on the other, and I want you to make a sacrifice there. And I want you to understand that it's not the ornate beauty of your religion that brings forgiveness, but it's the blood on the altar. It's a picture, Hebrews tells us, it was just a picture of the sacrifice that would come later by the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. You say, where's Jesus in all of this? Jesus was there in the instructions. Jesus was there with them in the battle. Jesus was there uh, at the place on the altar. He was typified in the Lamb that was offered on behalf of Israel, the blood, the blood, the sacrifice. Interesting, we gather around crosses. Some of you wear them around your neck. Doesn't that typify something horrible? Somebody died. Somebody died. Jesus died on that cross. Blood was shed. It was hor- it was horrible. It was gruesome. Why did that happen? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Jesus had to die because if he didn't die, then we would have to pay for our sins. Jesus died. He took our place. That's the wonderful message of the gospel: that you deserve death, that I deserve death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen this morning. It's not through beauty and ornate religion that we come to the forgiveness of our sins. It's not through works of righteousness that we do. It's not by going to church or being a good person or doing good works that we can be forgiven. It is only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can find peace with God. That we can be restored in relationship with God. Listen, we didn't come today to get forgiveness for God because we're afraid if we didn't gather and come to church that when we die, we're going to go to hell because we don't, we don't, we're not following the religious practices. The truth is that none of these things that we do can earn forgiveness from God. The Bible says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. The truth of the gospel is that it's all in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not of our works. Listen, that, that picture, that sacrifice, he's saying, hey, listen, it's the blood. It's the blood. There's the blood on the altar. It was a stone altar. The altar was rough. There was no tools. It was, it was the sacrifice, the blood that was shed. Not only do we see the stone altar, but we see the stone tablets. What did those represent? For Joshua and Israel, this showed a newfound commitment to the word of God. They took the tablets of stone just like was given to Moses on the mountain And they wrote, the Bible says, they wrote the word of God, the instruction of God on these tablets. The law written on stones was external. It wasn't internal. It could instruct the people, but it couldn't change the people. Listen, while the law can convict sinners and bring them to Christ, it can never convert sinners and make them like Christ. They had these tablets of stone. They wrote the word of God. Listen to me. We have the word of God. It's written in a book. We've opened it today. But the truth is that the law is not going to change you unless you let it inward. Unless you believe on what God says. Boy, that takes more than intellectual assertion. That takes a belief of faith and trust in the heart, doesn't it? It's me saying, God, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that your word is what it says it is. I'm trusting that your way is the way. And I'm not trusting my way. I'm not putting my faith in my works. I'm not putting my faith in my religion. I'm not putting my faith in what I call myself and my faith. I'm putting my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. That's when the heart changes. That's when Jesus enters in and changes life. I wonder this morning, as I understand you're in church, so you must be religious on some level. But have you ever been... Born again. Are you in Christ? The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved? You say, why are you so concerned about that? Because the truth is, all of us, we understand, one day are going to die. I would not wait until that day to find out whether I was ready or not. I would do so today, especially since the Bible tells us that he wrote these things in his word so that we would know that we have eternal life, that we would believe on the name of the Son of God. Have you ever believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved? The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. You know what? We find ourselves today similar to the children of Israel, not as the nation of Israel, but as the people of God that have been grafted in, that have been entered into this promise through the grace that God has given to us. Listen, we, we ourselves are between two mountains, You know, they gathered between those two mountains because it would have been like an amphitheater where those millions of people could have heard what was saying. That's why Joshua brought them there. But it's interesting because people today find themselves between two mountains where the word can be easily heard. And we're between the mountain called Calvary and the mountain called Olivet. We're between two mountains where Jesus has come and where he will come back. We're between two mountains today, this period of time called the age of the church, the time where the word of God, the gospel, has gone under all the world where he is seeking, where he is desiring to save. God would that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The truth is this morning, can you hear the word of God? It's easily accessible to us. We can read it if we want it, we can believe on it. Hey, listen. Are you listening? Are you hearing? We're between that, those two mountains. One day, Jesus is coming back. He's going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. And here we are between Calvary and that mountain. Can you hear? Can you hear? Listen, after the time he touches down, it's too late. It's too late. We're between that time. We're waiting for his appearing. Listen to me. Have you trusted Christ? There was the stone altar. There's the stone tablets. There was the stone mountains between, and here we are today today. In the place of God's grace. It's a wonderful place to be in. It's a wonderful time to live in. Thank God that we're in that time. Are you glad for the grace of God this morning? How many need a second chance? How many need a new start? How many have stopped following, but you want to follow again? Listen, you can only do it through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't try again. How many, we said that try, try again. It's not in our trying that we find success. It's in our obedience to God's word that we find true progress in the Christian life. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.